Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Alternative Sports Podcast in association with Nerve Radio. I'm your host today, Sam, and I'm joined by regular co-host Dan. Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Today, I think we'll be covering a lot of boxing, particularly the uh, Wilder fight, looking at that in great detail. We're also going to look at some of the comments that Mayweather's come out and said recently uh, and evaluating a couple of fights up in Liverpool with the Ryder Smith being the main fight that night but I think we'll also talk about the local Bournemouth hero Bill and Smith yep uh, going to talk about tennis again but they're not ATP this time and uh, it's going to be the Davis Cup which of course Spain won on their home turf um, and I've, honestly it's been a bit of a slower sport week we've got obviously the athletics athletes of the year announced which I'm sure you're going to Dan and then there's a tiny bit of hockey news and you know what Hot off the press, because we are recording a bit earlier in the week this time, but the uh, Sports Personalities of the Year have just recently been announced within the last hour or so, so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at them yet, Dan. I've seen a couple, I think. Mark Lewis Mark. Hamilton, as he always is, is in there, and who was the other one that recently got announced? Uh, Ed Sheeran. Who did he announce? It was... It's a fellow ginger. Yeah, it was. Oh, go on. Part of the biggest sporting moment of the year. Ben Stokes, that's yeah. it. They look the same. I mean, it's a bit off topic, some of the players, because it's not what we class alternative sports. But um, we'll have a look at it anyway, because we can. Yeah, why not? All right, let's get into it. What The Wilder fight, did you watch it? I'm assuming you did. I actually didn't. I was Isn't so tired. I was asleep by midnight on Saturday night. You don't watch it since? No, I've seen uh, the seventh round, I think it was, or ninth round, where he got the knockout. But I haven't actually watched the fight because, well, just haven't had time really. But I know Ortiz, by the looks of it, because I looked it up, it looked like he was actually winning the fight on the scorecards at the time. Yeah, so I've got the scorecards here. Obviously, as you mentioned there, it went to the seventh round. Up until that point, Ortiz looked the better boxer by far. Wilder was just being pushed back quite a lot. Wasn't landing many punches. And then we know he's got that fucking hook on him that, boom, just took Ortiz right out of the game. Uh, so for, you mentioned the scores. I'll give you an idea of what they were. It's 58-56 to Ortiz, 59-55 to Ortiz, and 59-55, I think I've written there, to Ortiz as well. So it wasn't just... a fine margins he was winning by quite a that bit that was a comfortable if only with only like five rounds to go as well that would have taken a severe turn of events for it to have gone the other way I mean obviously Wilder got the knockout but five rounds if he has to win all five of those rounds pretty much in order to win the fight on the cards if it goes the distance well yeah I mean Ortiz is definitely the better boxer I think we can all agree on that but it's just Wilder's unorthodox technique of just one hit and you're out of the game. You're out of he the He literally match. only needs that one hit. That's he's mm. unbelievable. I don't know any other boxer that can just turn on this sort of like magic punch he's got. It really is a magic punch, and we were saying what a force Tyson Fury is to be. The only man I can I think of and that probably ever has been to withstand a punch like that and get up and then not just get up and still box, but he showboated him afterwards. He won the round. If you look at the yeah. scorecard, he actually won that round, which is bizarre. It, it's mental. Uh, I mean, we we all really want to see that rematch, but does it, will it happen? Will it not? It really doesn't look like it. I mean, well, it looks like they're in the works today. It came out that they're in uh, advanced talks for the rematch, but whether one of the teams is going to duck at the last minute with some sort of excuse remains to be seen. Well, Furious stated that he's got 
two fights left, I think, on his contract. Might be three, but I'm sure it's two. I think it's three. He mentioned it in True uh, Geordie's podcast the other day. And they're in America. All three of them, yeah. Yeah. So it would have been nice to see a fight over here in the UK with Fury against Wilder. And in those three, I think it's quite unlikely that we're going to see Joshua, but that is the one that you really want to home turf. But That is the big battle of the Brits, realistically, isn't it? I mean, I think regardless of what happens with Ruiz, regardless of what happens with Fury and Wilder, everyone wants to see Tyson Fury fight Anthony Joshua in a true battle of Britain face-off at Wembley. It's, it's a shame that uh, they didn't get the fight done earlier on in their careers when Fury was still the champion and was holding all the belts and Joshua was up and coming because there was talks back then for a fight and then when Joshua initially won his, I think it's his IBF title, I want to say there was talk that he was going to come, Fury was going to make a comeback and beat the Dosser, I think is what he said, but... Obviously, uh, that never materialised. It would have been a good time because it would have meant one of the British boxers would have held all the titles in the heavyweight division, which apparently has never been done before. Yeah, I mean, I think Fury, though, is better since his comeback and we've not seen too much of him since then, but not necessarily from a boxing technique point of view. I don't think he's really changed. He was always good. But from a mentality point of view, you can tell that he's gone through hell and back and that really is helping him in the ring now. Not that he was ever a guy to go down easily and give up, but I think that is a testament even more to his mental strength now, and he's a great inspiration to a lot of people, isn't he? He definitely is. I mean, there's not many people out there publicly who have come out and said how much they struggled with mental health, and now he's every time he's in a press conference, he'll say he's an ambassador for so many people, and it is true. I mean, the amount of people that I know have said either from watching them or knowing them personally, have said how much Tyson Fury coming out and speaking out on about, about mental health is quite something... I don't know, I genuinely don't know anyone else in the public eye that is like that. No, he's just real, but I think it also helps that he's this big macho guy and he's almost, to use a cliche term, destroying the stigma around it. Um, and his book's obviously just come out and I'm looking forward to actually reading that and reading about it because it's not often that I actually will read a sportsman's book I often find it quite boring a lot of the time I used to read a lot of footballers born back in the day but Fury's just everyone loves him everyone's a bit Fury we're certainly part of the Fury fan club we are we mention it a lot on the radio Um, so one fight into another on Saturday night was John Ryder against Callum Smith in the M&S arena up in Liverpool yeah bit odd that they called the M&S arena and in Liverpool but well, it is what it is. It was a strange fight. Could be more Lidl or Aldi. <laughs> it was a strange fight, though. I didn't watch, again. I didn't watch it because I was busy. But from what it sounds like, it sounds like Ryder actually won the fight. But because they wanted Smith to have, was it Smith? It is Smith, isn't it? Yeah, they wanted Smith to uh, have like this big uh, unification bout with the others in the division. And um, apparently, according to most of the scorecards. Uh, well, like the people who weren't actually the judges they all said that Ryder won the fight and there was actually a robbery and Twitter certainly all these supposed experts on Twitter were saying oh he's a robbery and that but it wasn't just them it was like I think Carl Froch may have had the scorecards in uh, Ryder's favour yeah well I actually was watching the fight live um, down the pub as you do well Saturday night of course and um, Ryder just looked all over Smith like Smith there's a big difference in height 
to obviously reach. But even in kind of body weight, like usually when a, a shorter boxer comes up, the bigger boxer, there's they look a lot stockier. Don't get me wrong, he did, but he it wasn't like a, a massive difference that you might expect to uh, even up that weight difference. And he just seemed all over him. Although there was quite a few occasions where it was just a case of just throwing punches, but I don't remember Ryder throwing too many successful punches. He was certainly backing off a lot. It wasn't the most exciting fight, but. Smith definitely looked like he won and it's been described as one of the biggest robberies in boxing. It is obviously for the WA middleweight uh, crown. Uh, the scorecards were 117 to 111, 116 to 112 and 160 to 112. So again, it wasn't even that close really by boxing terms. And Which seems bizarre. It's a bit like, um, do you remember at the Rio Olympics? I can't remember who it was, that Irish fighter who um, he clearly won. I think it was the final and they gave it to the uh, the local Brazilian guy, I think it was, and he won it, and it was like the, one of the biggest robberies, and now all three judges, I think it was, have all been banned from the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, yeah I was going to go on to that, actually. I think all of them have been banned. Yeah, there was this thing... A- that anyone that took part that was a referee at that Olympics in Rio is now banned. Oh, I didn't realise it was I, that I many. think it is. Crikey. I'm, I'm trying to fact check now, but... um. Yeah, there was a story the other day saying at least the people who got involved were, uh, what do you call it, they were all getting um, battened or suspended because of that. Because it was, I remember it being a massive controversy when it was quite obvious the Irish fellow had won the fight. I mean, he literally, the other guy barely threw a punch in the entire, I think it was six rounds, I want to say. And this, the judges all, for some reason, gave it as a majority decision to the guy who was fighting. Yeah, so that's the Michael Conlon fight. That was it. None of the 36 referees or judges used at the Rio Olympics will be allowed to officiate at Tokyo 2020. Wow. Several of them are actually sent home at Rio, which I knew about. But it's that ridiculous. That is crazy. All, was it 32? 36. 36. That's unbelievable. But you think they've got to be some of the biggest officials at the, the best of the game. So if we're now discounting them, it's going to be referees that perhaps aren't as experienced. True, aren't as good. But then they might not well, be. Well, I say as not as good. I can't be any worse. <laughs> I'd much rather have a referee who's less experienced. It's more like to make a slight mistake than have someone who's clearly corrupt refereeing yeah. a boxing match. Well, the thing is, you can have a poor referee that's not corrupt, but if, and, and somewhat, and if you are truly the better boxer in that fight, you would still come on top. If you're a better boxer as it was then, and you're with a poor referee that is just take. Well, we're not going to say take. We don't know what's happened, but has done whatever behind the scenes and you're the better boxer, then you're going to lose. It doesn't matter. Whereas you can have a more less experienced ref and that doesn't matter because it will show, your quality will show. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that and there's another fight that happened. Crikey, they all Obviously, there was a load of other fights. There's plenty of undercards. But I mentioned this one because he's from Bournemouth. They love him on the Nerve Boxing Show. Shout out to that. Uh, which he's been on and he was on this weekend it's Chris Billum Smith who brings back a title the Commonwealth title and it's the first title in 25 years to come from a boxer from Bournemouth really how um, so was it on the undercard of the Smith Rider fight then yeah at the uh, was it the M&M's arena or something you said M&S 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 you should be used to M&S coming from uh, 
Berkshire, old Newbury. No, I don't use M&S. M&S is at oh, the other end of Newbury. <laughs> yeah, Waitrose, obviously. I get enough stick from down here using it. <laughs> Do you actually? Get my meat, yeah. Oh. Free for £10. Free piece of meat for £10. That's the same as Asda. I can't turn that down. Wow. We're going a bit off topic. <laughs> we are going off topic. But yeah, yeah, so with Bill and Swift, um, he's a cruiserweight and he won it in the fifth round with a victory over Craig Glover. I just want to check, cruiserweight, isn't that the one that's like below heavyweight? Yeah. So they're like sometimes the smaller stocky guys. Yeah, they're not... As, well, the thing is, it's that weird weight class where it's starting to get smaller where obviously the lightweights, the featherweights, is all about speed, but it's not quite, so it's a, it's a weird mixture. It's certainly a more technical game. Yeah. The more technical boxing fans tend to prefer the lower levels in terms of weight category boxing, because it's sort of like, there's not there's not many uh, not as many knockouts, because there's just not as much power behind each punch. Yeah, of course, like I'm sure there's plenty of knockouts in all the categories, but you'll find the explosive knockouts only happen in the heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, like, well, it's referred to the junior heavyweight, so you are right there, the one just below. Um, but we've got some comments that the old controversial Moneybags Mayweather has been saying again. I'll, I'll let you take this on the way down. Yeah, so uh, I saw he was um, doing a little partnership with Dana White, potentially for a special bout coming up in the new year. I know I'd be looking forward to that one. There's rumours it might be against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, I don't know what you think about that. I mean, Khabib, to me, is it seems a bit of a strange fight because uh, he's he's not really known for his striking ability. I mean, against Conor McGregor in the UFC fight, people were saying it was all about stand game versus ground game. And McGregor was the one that was doing all the punching. And then Khabib hit Conor with this unbelievable, I think it was a right hook, and it really uh, caught McGregor off guard. And then pretty much since then, Khabib now fancies himself as a bit of a part-time boxer and now wants to face the greatest boxer of all time, possibly. It's a weird one. I think almost the best way to settle it is, and the most interesting, certainly most enjoyable to watch, is almost we need a hybrid of boxing and MMA. We need a form of MMA that's going to incorporate boxing a bit more. I think so. I think there's a, there's a market out there. Cause these, definitely. These cross, I guess, platform, would you call it? or Yeah, like, definitely. Well, it's Mayweather, done it. Obviously with McGregor, Khabib, you talk of him, Tyson Fury, he'd definitely be able to bang he'd up love and get it. involved. He's been calling out Steeperman, the heavyweight UFC champion. I mean, that would be a cracking fight because, again, it's Steeperman's a ground game player. So if you've got a stand-up guy like Tyson Fury and a ground game guy, these those are the sort of fights that really make the UFC, in my opinion, because it's sort of like the best of both worlds clashing. Because that is what mixed martial arts is. It is the mixture and you've got to find out who is the best all-rounder. I mean, it's obviously going to be problematic in terms of incorporating aspects of boxing, but then going to ground play. And as you say, it's a whole different game. And you do worry Ty- Tyson being the size he is, how he'd handle from ground play. And he'd certainly probably struggle to get up too quickly. I mean, I might be doing a disrespect there, but like especially against the, the more nimble guys, shall we say. Well, I think Tyson's a strange one because he's quite he's not very like, big, if you know what I mean, because he's so tall. His way is uh, he, he doesn't look stocky. He's just got these really long limbs and his I rotation. I think he definitely does in the body, in the torso. In the torso, but I'd say legs so. Are quite legs. I've always Bambi-esque for a yeah, they dog. do, don't they? They look a bit strange. They're, it's just well, not Bambi-esque. They're just disproportionate. I mean, I'm I'm on it to be talking about Bambi legs. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got little chicken legs. So have you? No, I'm massive. Yeah. 
re- uh, listeners won't be knowing that any different. Yeah, but I'm sure listeners are coming to learn that you like to uh, chat a load of rubbish. I do, to be fair. <laughs> like unless, I'm on the, unless I'm on here, then I'm obviously going to be chatting straight facts. Um, I'm not so sure on that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, at least for the more informative pieces of it. But I think... Actually, no, there's one other thing in boxing. We mentioned it on a radio show today. Tyson Fury having a sing-song. Yeah. I, I like the song. I don't know about you. you. I can't remember. You said you're not really a fan of Christmas songs, but you said this one was No, I, I'm not a fan of Christmas songs. Call me Scrooge, but I kind of like it. You only like Christmas songs on Boxing Day and Christmas Day, don't you? Not Boxing Day, uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and that's it. No, I don't really like them at all. I think that's just the only acceptable time I want to hear them. <laughs> acceptable. Well, yeah, I don't got... want to hear them at all, if I'm honest. It's just the same old rubbish. But this, actually, is being described as one of the best Christmas songs in the last 10 years. But then it did make me think, what other songs have really come out in the last 10 years? They're all ancient Christmas songs. It's true. Like I think the most recent one is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, and that's like 2008. I think it was, which is over 10 years ago. It might even be older than that. Bit of a promotion to walk us there. It is a little bit, but... Other crests are available. Yeah. Big up Worcester <laughs> sauce. That's a grim flavour. Um, yeah, boxing. We've done it. Completed it for the week. Yeah. <laughs> there's no real... There's no events now coming up Ooh. for... Until Joshua's fighting. I was going to say, actually, he's arrived in Saudi Arabia. I saw that. There was, um, there was a bit of a mixed reaction to that, to be fair. like The boxing fans that sort of went quiet after initially hating on uh, him pl- fighting in Saudi Arabia, now he's actually got there. This sort of like wave of hate for them going all the way out there for this fight. A sort of return. It's quite strange how they so the hate sort of comes in waves of boxers. Like Deontay Wilder was getting a load of hate before the Ortiz fight for choosing Ortiz. And then blast him out of the arena. Now everyone loves him again. They're saying, oh, what a great boxer he is. It's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird situation. I think Joshua always plays better in front of the home crowd, and I I don't like to see sports selling out, and I don't like to see it go to countries that abuse human rights, don't treat people equally. But at the same time, if they don't get opportunities like this, how are they going to be able to have a chance to build and grow? And you hope also the exposure that this human rights thing they're getting at the moment uh, will hopefully change their ways in that country because if they're going to get more events there's going to be more public eye on their country and then if they're constantly getting abuse for not sorting out their human rights problems then they people will stop going to their countries that said i don't think it'll take a long time to change i don't think it'll change in a lifetime look at qatar that that has had so much abuse so many scandals thousands of people have died building those stadiums and what have they had it taken away no have things improved no that's a but I think that's slightly different. I think that's more of a corruption thing because it's just FIFA wanting as much money as possible. I think if someone came in with more money than Qatar now or a good a sizable amount of money, I reckon they probably would move it. But because no one is willing to pay these ridiculous numbers for a quick turnaround, I don't think it's going to happen. But do you not think if the Joshua boxer fight, say, Russia come along and said, look, we'll match you Saudi Arabia's and 10%, would they go to Russia and stay in Saudi Arabia? They'd go to Russia, they'd follow the money as well. They would, to be fair. But I suppose Russia hasn't got as many problems regarding like human rights and much. I know they've got their issues, but I think human All rights right, are part of the Kazakhstan, dictatorship, Venezuela, yeah, North Korea. True, true. Eddie Hearn likes the cash, so he'll go wherever the money's at. I'd like to go out to North Korea, but 
imagine seeing a boxer fight out there. That is a tangent. Um, yeah, enough of boxing. Strange one, that. Let's go to tennis. Yeah, Davis uh, Cup. I sounded way too enthusiastic for that. Yeah, I bet you absolutely love tennis, don't you? Do you know you? what? Tennis is one of those sports that I used to like, and I'm trying to get into it a lot more now. But um, it's there's, particularly, there's just so many different sports to watch. Particularly in the midst of a football season when you've got a lot of games at this time of year. It is kind of hard to keep them up, but I've been keeping up slightly. Team GB, I'm going to say they had a promising tournament. It was obviously... They could have uh, got to the final. Yeah, we'll get into that in just a sec. So obviously it was the first time of the new format of the Davis Cup, uh, playing a almost a World Cup of tennis-style format. First time it was featured in November and held in Madrid. Wasn't it, uh, or was it next year, like, something to do with um, Gerard Piquet, the Barcelona defender? Was it his company was running it or something? I've not heard that story. Or something. There either, there's, like, a thing, there's, like, a in a couple of weeks' time, or I think it might be six, less than six weeks' time, they've got some sort of tournament coming up, which is, like, the World Championship for tennis. And it's, like, a new tournament, and I can't remember if it's the Davis Cup. And the reason why it's been condensed is because his company have bought out the rights of the Davis Cup, and that's why it's in Madrid or whether it's this new tournament, but one or the other, there's uh, Gerard Piquet's uh, business company have like, taken over it. It's quite, it's weird. I don't know what it is, but I've just seen that he's trying to del- like, dip his toe into the water of tennis, it seems. Yeah, I wonder if Shakira will come out and do an opening ceremony. I wouldn't but mind that. He wouldn't have to pay for it then either, would he? Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so anyway, Nadal finished the year on a high-winning... Well, winning number one spot at the top of tennis, which we spoke about in last week's podcast. Check it out now. Um, little plug. Uh, and now he's won the Davis Cup for the sixth time, I believe. They beat Canada in the final. It's the year of the sixes, isn't it? Liverpool win the Champions League six times. Lewis Hamilton six times champion. And now Nadal's won. David or Spain have won Davis Cup six times. You're trying to say it's the year of the devil? Maybe. I well, didn't think of it like that until you... We're going to get to December the 31st. Is it 31? This is a bad Yeah, it is. December is 31st. And New Year's Eve. It's going to be the apocalypse. Is it? Is this what we're saying? It's all, all these sporting events yeah. are building yeah, you know up what? to the end of the world. Screw it. Yeah, it is going to be the because, end of the world. Because you know, if the devil was going to bring the end to the world, he'd do it through tennis, football, and a few other sporting <laughs> events. And motor racing. Motor racing. But I think Mark Marquez, the MotoGP rider as well, got six world championships this year. So, well, I think we're going past six six now and going into six hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of sports that have had a six. But shout out to uh, I think it's Bautista Algutz yeah. for his the fact his dad passed away three days before the final, and then powered his way through, won his matches, and um, was part of the winning team for the Davis Cup. Yeah, I was going to say that. Nadal done actually won all eight of his build-up matches, not lost a singles match since 2004, I've got here. What, in the Davis Cup? No. Yeah, sorry. Wow. That's impressive. And considering he's more known as a clay player as well. Yeah. um, It's all hardcore, I think, Davis Cup. So Nadal won 6-3 and 7-6 a set, whereas Batista... That is the right pronunciation. I've just got a picture of the wrestler in my head. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it is I think it's one seven six and six three. Jamie Murray described it as a good week. Obviously Spain actually beat Team G B in the final. Uh it was Jamie Murray, uh and Neil Scupsey. Uh lost seven six. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce that name. After beat so they were. It was one all. 
Dow beat Dan Evans, and then Edmund beat Lopez. And then they uh, went to the doubles game to win 2 1. Fel- is it Feliciano they pronounced his first name? Feliciano Lopez? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, actually, I actually rate him. I mean, he's not one of the big names on the circuit, but when he won the Queens with Murray, it was I thought then because he won, I think he won the doubles and the singles at Queens, which is kind of like one of these warm-up tournaments for Wimbledon. I think he's never really been a player that does well in the big tournaments. Tournament, the big tournament, isn't it? Um, but yeah, be interesting to see how he kicks on. There's quite a lot of these kind of younger players coming through. Again, something we spoke about last week. I don't think we need to delve into too much. But um, there's a change in the guard, definitely. I think coming up very soon in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I actually. Put, um, but Andy Murray, unfit, obviously come back out. Overweight. I did, that did surprise me when he said he was a couple of kilos overweight. I mean, I know his wife just had another kid, but well, he hasn't. <laughs> no, I said his wife didn't. I? Yeah, I know, but that, you'd associate exactly. that with putting on weight. I was saying he's not had the kid. Yeah, um, what the heck's he been doing? Just sat there eating chips. Yeah, you think J- old Judy wouldn't have had that? You think she'd have oh. had him out the tennis courts? Judy's a strange boy. I was, was like, going to try and do a Scottish how... accent, and in my head I do it really yeah, well. Go on, try a Glaswegian accent. Go verbally, on. I think could. Uh, yeah, can't be doing that, lad. There. <laughs> uh, what is it? But now Judy Murray's a weird one. Like, how the hell she got on Strictly Come Dancing all those years ago when she's not even a celebrity? She's the mum of a celebrity, like. Give it a break. Like she's just trying to like milk the attention. Big Strictly fan? No, I hate it, mate. <laughs> I absolutely hate that show. I'm sorry. Sorry to any Strictly lovers out there, but I'm <laughs> it's sure one of the worst shows. It's just like what's his name? Like Craig or something. It's like Mr. Pessimistic every week. Craig Revel Horwood, I believe. I mean Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Mr. Pessimistic who I've ever seen a guy so boring and so dull in my life. It is him. It's just one of the deadest shows. Um, yes, Jamie Murray was Skupski. I think that is probably not how it's pronounced. I am the Paul Merson of pronouncing names. Uh, <laughs> was his ATP partner for most of the year, uh, but I think there was a new partnership in one of the games because of an injury. Um, for which team was it? Was Spain? No, for England. Uh, team GB, or nearly crucial error there, nearly calling it England. That would have gone down well with the Scots. Yeah, the Murrays would be on to you like a rash. Yeah, um, I think that really covers the tennis. We've not really spoken about it as much as we did last week, but I think it's because we covered most of the base last week, which you can check out. There's a horse racing jump season special with yeah. a lot of tennis and an F1 and darts. Well, uh, what what's coming up in the next week? There's not darts. a huge amount. Yeah, obviously no. There's obviously the darts, but the boxing's not for another week. Well, we'll talk about the darts now, actually, and the man himself again. Yeah, no, Rob, I think no, Michael Van Gerwen. <laughs> yeah, Michael Van Gerwen. But Phil, I think I saw somewhere that um, Phil Taylor wants to come out of retirement because he says he's missing out on all the fun, which is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Well, random facts. Uh, really nice guy, actually. One of my close mates from school is Nan. Grew up on the same road as him in Stoke. Do you feel Taylor? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's impressive. But, yeah. Michael Van Gerwen, we'll speak about first, has said he could channel his inner Ronnie O'Sullivan and turn down a nine data as there is no prize for hitting the perfect leg in the PDC. Wow. Fair enough. I'm just looking up here that says, um, 
Uh, Phil Taylor said earlier this year in, in uh, September, he said he'd love to have another bash at Michael Van Gogh and Gary Anderson. I mean, could you imagine two potentially two of the biggest goats in darts? That'd be impressive. Goats, yeah. Wow. Who's better? It's a hard one because it's again, it's a like a generational battle. You can't really compare. It's a bit like um, Deontay Wilder. He's the greatest or hardest hitter in heavyweight history, but. Not, you can't compare his hitting power to someone like Mike Tyson's back in the day. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think Phil, the power Taylor, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna, you know what, I'm going to go for the old national roots and I'm going to support the English boys and say Phil, Phil Taylor, Taylor. But I genuinely believe that he probably is. I think, although you, is Van Gerwen more technical, darts has changed. There's lots of Taylor's science in things, even like darts now. Like yeah. Flights have got like little clippings in the side of them which is weird for like aerodynamics so when you throw it it's more straight which is and Gerwin's definitely more aerodynamic with his lack of barnet oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh fair enough but well even the stature the stature the physicality of the darts players they're obviously never going to be the most athletic people in the world but you look at them now back in the day they were massively obese people well, like nearly you used all to be able to drink beer while they were playing, but now, they took it off. I'm not going to say they're in the best condition, but there's a lot of slim, average, normal players out there. There's not... Gerwin Price? There's not that many... Well, yeah, I mean, he's a bit of an anomaly, because... Uh, Wasn't he ex-rugby or something? Yeah, but yeah. even the rest of them, they're not, they're not that big compared to they used to be, I remember. You know um, Van der Vaart? bed sheets, didn't they? Yeah, but do you know Van der Vaart now plays tennis? Not tennis, darts. <laughs> yeah. But he's looking quite porky these days. He's obviously enjoying himself since he's retired from football. We nearly snapped him up old Reading. That's a bit offside. Doesn't Van Persie have a little go at some point? It wasn't he a, was as, a, um, as professional as Van der Vaart, but I definitely remember him being at... The fi- the, I think it's like the final of the Premier Darts last year. Van Persie went with uh, Van Gogh's team to go watch the finals at the O2. And... Uh, Afterwards, my mates who went, they said they saw him in the hotel they were staying in and asked him, like, oh, what are you doing now? You're retired. And he said, oh, I'm following my mate Michael around on the circuit of the darts. So you never know. He seems like he's quite keen on darts. Yeah, as well as massively Dutch and massively English. Well, British. Yeah, there's not really any other countries, are there? I mean, there's a couple of... It is weird how it has caught on as much as in Holland because they don't have the traditional pub scene like we do. But then again, as they have a lot of bars. So I would have thought Germans would be more into it with their heavy drinking, as they like to be known. Yeah, but the whole, the whole of Europe doesn't drink like the UK does. Yeah, we are a bit of an anomaly, aren't we? Pubs don't really exist outside the UK. Binge drinking doesn't really a lot of people won't understand why people go out just to get drunk across Europe. They'll, they'll understand it to get a bit jolly, but not to get absolutely legless like we all choose to. Standard procedure weekend. in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine going out and not doing it. I mean, how do you, in my mind, how do you how do you not go to the pub and before you know it, you're eight pints deep, ordering your ninth shots probably on the way. It's crazy, I mean... When you're with your mates, anyway, obviously, if you're with yourself... If you're on your ones, it's a little bit of a weird one, isn't it? Like, but, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you know exactly how it feels to be in a pub on your ones, don't you, Sam? No. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you weren't you the one that went round the key? Uh, the drinking key? A, a pint in every pub. <laughs> yeah, it's for my assignment. <laughs> to, to get an interview. Yeah. Only to not get an yeah, interview. Yeah, but do you know what? That made that night out on that Saturday night even better. 
because I was smashed. See, I think that was just your excuse for being a lightweight, but uh, that's not sporting related. Uh, I've got Van Gerwen's quote up anyway. So he said he's not too fussed about the feature and even suggested that he could purposely turn down a nine data in the future if there's no prize money. This comes after O'Sullivan famously turned down the chance for a 147 break at the Welsh Open because the 10th grand prize money for a maximum was too cheap. 10 grand too cheap, apparently. These old sportsmen. I'd love 10 grand right now. I'd be able to spend the rest of the year living it loud. And Michael Van Gerwen certainly thinks no prize at all is scandalous. That's crazy. Just an interesting point. Uh, he was the first darts player of the season, wasn't he, to hit a nine darter against Adrian Lewis on Saturday? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Well, a televised nine darter of the year on Saturday. Oh, televised is different because there's all there's loads of players that aren't actually on the circuit that yeah. are playing in pubs around, and they literally like got a little camera they post it on the uh, darts YouTube channel. I don't think there's really much, too much more to cover in darts at the moment. We'll cover because we'll do a lot next week. We've done a lot last week. We'll go into some athletics. We haven't covered that on the podcast yet. No, we haven't. Uh, but this week, uh, I think is it. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Kipchoge. See, I go Kipchoge. Yeah. Ki- I think Kipchoge is how you say it. He. Yes, um, I can pronounce one. Yeah. Finally, it's taken you two weeks. Uh, was it Kipchoge or Kipchoge or whatever? Uh, he got, uh, I think it's Athletics Player of the Year, I think they call it. Yeah. Do you, you want to explain why? Or add to you, well, I have the notes here. So he got uh, the Athletics Athletes of the Year. The male was Kipchoge. He obviously he won his fourth London Marathon this year. And more importantly, probably my sporting moment of the year, when he ran the first marathon... Under two hours. Under two hours and one minute, 59 and 40 seconds... In October, so still fairly recent. I'll tip my hat off to him for that, because that is... You've got to think how quickly he's got to be running for those 26 and 0.2 miles. It really changes the phrase, it's a marathon, not a sprint. To a marathon is a sprint, because it's, it works out he's doing 100 metres at 18 seconds for the... Oh, like, yeah, it's, like over 20, over. it's like over 20 kilometres. It's like you are yeah. sprinting for the entire time. Uh, the f- we'll talk about the female award because we're all about equality, aren't we here, Dan? We are indeed. Uh, obviously, is it Dahlia? How Dahlia Mohammed. Yeah, she won it for the women's because she's British athlete. Because uh, um, she broke world record, didn't she doing the four hundred meters? Yeah, she won gold in Doha, uh, and she broke her record twice this year. Actually, she's not British, is she? I think she's American. Yeah, she's American. Uh, but she won uh, the Olympic title as well in 2016. So I think this has been an award that should have been coming for a while now. I mean, if you're Olympic champion, you're sort of really ahead of the game, aren't you? I'm surprised she hasn't won it before. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it about it being my sporting moment of the year. We're going to do a whole podcast on sporting moments of the year coming up towards... probably. And we'll give, do you know what? We'll, well. Give, we'll give it as your little Christmas gift and then the New Year's gift, yeah. We'll the, do the decades. Yeah, sporting players of the decade. Um, if you want to get your thoughts in, you can on social media. Uh, if there's any moments you think that was a good moment in the last decade or in the last year, send them to us. At Alternative Sport, we couldn't get a good at, but that is the app we've got on Twitter. Too short. Um, obviously, get involved, follow. Um, moving from one sport to another, I've got a bit, a bit of hockey now. Yep. Bit of an unusual one, bit of a bit of a rarity, but that's what we like on this podcast. Uh, 
it's not a big story, but Sam Ward, I don't know if you've seen this. Is this the injury one? He's the, yeah, so he plays Team GB. He's yeah, I saw this. He's fighting this is, for his career. This is heartbreaking. After losing his sight in his left eye, uh, he crushed a retain, uh Retina, I think it is. Yeah, retina. I, can't, I was just trying to work out my notes, and it just looks like, I'm going to say, it doesn't even look like short, and it's just <laughs> little dots and lines at this point. Morse code. Uh, and then he suffered some facial fractures as well. Have and you, nasty sounding injuries. Have you seen the um, uh, stitching across the top of his head? I've seen a picture, but I haven't, se- I haven't seen anything else other than that. He's got like, uh, from where he's, I think it's his left ear, he's got like a zigzag stitching that goes all the way up the side of his head and then goes all the way tro- across the top as well. So he's got like this shaved patch right across the top of, through the middle of his head. And it's like this really like scruffy uh, scarring. Now, I'm not sure how he's, like what that is for. I think... Is that because they were trying to operate to save the eye or something? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe do they have to come in from the back? I mean, I, I'm, know. I know nothing about medical science by a long stretch. I mean, it does look horrendous. Well, not from the back I'll because get... you'd have to go through the brain and that's a really stupid comp. But you know what I mean? Just almost slightly from behind but not quite. Yeah, look. I'll just show you a photo. Sorry to the listeners. Yeah, makes, it makes a good podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see what I mean? I'm not sure how he's got that. I mean, it must have taken a humongous whack if that's from the hockey stick itself. But it looks because it, it doesn't look like a medical cut because it's zigzag. If it was medical, they'd have done a yeah. clean line, which is weird. I is mean, his, was his head like cracked open like an egg or something? I've, I was going to say, I haven't seen it. I don't know if there is a video available. Probably, hopefully not. not. I certainly won't be watching it. Stuff like that doesn't bother me, but it's not nice to see. Oh, I hate Obviously, seeing blood. it happened in an Olympic qualifier in a playoff game versus Malaysia. So, and he scored twice as well, which yeah. sent them, didn't he? He scored twice. It's a, it's a real shame. He's he's a big player of that hockey team, from what little I know. Um, and we wish him all the best because I'm sure he'll be listening to this podcast in his uh, time yeah. of need. Yeah, I'm sure he will. This will be his antidote. Right, sports personality of the year. Yep, go on. Wrist. I've said a, men- a couple. I mentioned a couple earlier. Who else is on the list then? There's a few people that I would say don't have personalities or much of one, um, <laughs> but. So I'll, I'll announce them in the order they were announced. So he said Ben Stokes, obviously earlier, the cricketer yep. basically made a huge, played a huge role in the in, summers in cricket. winning the World Cup, and then the Ashes as well. Remember wow. when he got that not out innings that yeah, tied the series, knew. which would have ended the Ashes as a contest earlier than it did. What year it's been for him after all the legal issues he's had recently? Uh, then it was announced. Uh, Dina Asher-Smith, sorry, I'm just struggling to be writing again, uh, who's the the running world champ. Ah, that's why I got it mixed up with um, Dalia Mohammed because of this. She's the GB running world champ that broke records earlier this year. Asher-Smith, is she the um, heptathlon one or is that Katherine Johnson-Thompson? I thought she was the sprinter. Because I know um, I always get mixed up with these uh, athletes with their double-barreled surnames. There seems yes. to be a lot of them around at the moment. Asher Smith, well, don't dig the old double-barreled surname. I've got one. Yeah, uh, yeah no, Asher Smith is the sprinter, the fastest woman in British woman in record history. That's what I allude to when she's saying she broke the world. That's in uh, 200 metres, I believe. Only 23 years old as well. Who, uh, Asher Smith? Yeah. Wow, fair enough. But to be fair, athletics, careers start earlier than a lot of sports and they finish a lot earlier. 
I mean, was it Rebecca Adlington retired from swimming when she was only like 28 or something? <laughs> you mentioned athletics and go to swimming. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. Like the whole like, uh, Olympic setup, a lot of the sports in there, they sort of start earlier and they finish. I mean, I think we mentioned last week, uh, gymnasts only have, was it like a nine year career? Yeah, it's not a long one, but especially of running or sprinting, your legs really tire. Because you think about all the training as well as the actual events as well. Yeah, Mo Farah. Although there's a lot of scandals, allegedly, surrounding him. I don't think he is particularly guilty. I think it's the... Who was the guy that uh, that was his old manager that worked for Nike? I don't know. Mr. Corn himself. Uh, Anyway, back to the list. We had... Who else we got? Uh, Raheem Sterling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow. Wow, fair enough. I mean, has he really done a lot this year? Wow. Realistically, as an individual? I think it's a good case that Toby isn't on the podcast this week, because he would... Probably slate him to high heaven. He might be having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Toby, if you're listening. It's true, though. Um... And then we've got Garant Thomas, the oh, Welsh guy. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's Durant, I think. I don't know. I don't, I don't care for... Uh... Actually, but, do you know what's weird, though, is how he gets nominated for those kind of things. And I'm he'll surprised probably, he has this year. And he probably will get like a knighthood, but then Chris Froome, who's also a British athlete technically now, doesn't seem to ever get the recognition, yet he's a three-time Tour de France winner, isn't he? Well, I was thinking about this the other day. It's been a weird decade for British cycling obviously we had no one win it the Tour de France for for, forever I think Bradley Wiggins was the first one was he not so we had Mark Cavendish he was the only big cyclist for for ages on that uh, in the outside the track yeah yeah obviously the track's a bit different and then Bradley Wiggins had the great 2012 year and then Froome but didn't Bradley Wiggins the year before he won it didn't he come second or something yeah he came close and then Froome was he was he it was Bradley Wiggins won it and then Froome won it the following year so a British athlete won it after the other British athlete that makes sense yeah after never ever winning it and then Froome went on to win it a further two more times and then Thomas has won it once isn't he yeah I think so I think Froome last year uh, yeah so the current I think Thomas is the current holder if I'm not mistaken and I think the year before was someone else and then the year before that was the last of Froome's hat trick of Tour de France I want to say it's just what I was just thinking about when I was had a few ideas coming from my head about um, doing the podcast for uh, sporting moments of the year of the decade, sorry, and it's just really weird. But we it seems to get surges like this. Like there was a just looking now in the early two thousands, Spain won it four times on the bounce. Before that, the the USA with Lance and Armstrong, so it doesn't count anymore. But they had won it seven times on the bounce but him individually won it seven times in a row yeah Christ oh, oh five wait let me just check yeah seven from not between 99 and 05 cheating um, bastards there's a few of different countries and then it was Spain that won it for five years consecutively with the same guy the US and then France basically the whole way before that, there's a brief gap with Belgium in, in its entirety of its history. But it's weird that they, it gets these w- weird blocks of uh, of nations coming through. So, no, 
Thomas isn't the current holder. I was right. He won it last year. It was a Colombian guy that won it this year. Bernal. Oh, was it? Um, e- Egan Bernal. Oh, I was going to say, there's another one that's like, is it like Montero or something? It's like another... That's quite a stereotypical name, isn't it? No, there is. There is one that sounds it. like Montero. That is actually the case, yeah. Uh, anyway, and then this is the real player that lacks personality, Lewis Hamilton. Who seems to be nominated every even if he doesn't win the championship. I mean, there's a, I can see why he has been this year. Can you? I've, I'm not sure, so sure about this. Well, he's, he's become the qu- best British racer, hasn't he? No, he's been that for a while, but what it means is he's now only the second F1 driver to get more than five titles. I think... Ben Stokes will probably win it because the hopefully I think he would be the justified winner. Um, it's a bit on the spot now. Do you reckon there's any other players that you think should be on that list? What in, in terms of sport across all the sports? Yeah. Um, there's not really a lot else. There's no one in tennis at the moment like Andy no. Murray used to be. There's no one like that. Uh, you've got the best driver in Formula One. There's no one else in that. Boxing, boxing. No, that's not bitten off a year really because there's been bit such. Big Tyson's just had a fights. couple of Dossa fights and one he nearly and lost. Joshua lost. Joshua lost his only fight this year. Uh, so there's no one in boxing. Uh, what other sports? There? Golf. There's not really been a lot going on in the golf scene either. And it's not been an Olympics year, so a lot of the niche sports get discarded. I'll tell you who might win. You know that like international one, which is for the non-British sport uh, sportsmen. Tiger Woods could win that, I think, because of his comeback yeah. win this year. But in terms of British athletes, I don't really think there's been a particularly standout year for anyone who hasn't been nominated. Interesting, actually. I think it, it, if Stokes doesn't win it, I think Asher Smith should. Yeah. But I feel like it could be Hamilton. Hamilton always seems to come second if he doesn't win it, which is ridiculous. I mean, I'm an, I'm, I've said it last week, I'm a Hamilton fan, but when it comes to uh, this sports personality... He's he's not the best sports personality of the year, which and is what the award is. He's lacking personality. Uh, I'll, uh, Raheem Sterling, I'm going to agree with Echo what Toby would probably be staying here. Now. I don't think Raheem Sterling should be on that list. He he won the Premier League. He won stuff that was a collective so award. He didn't 30 win other players. Else. He won the Young Player of the Year. He didn't win Golden Boot or anything. No, didn't win that. Didn't win a Champions League. Didn't win Ballon d'Or or World Player of the Year. But I guess he's in there on the merit of what he does for the ugly side of the beautiful game. He's this big icon. He is he is turning into a bit of a, um, what do they call it, idol for those who... I'd say modern day John Barnes in that respect, although John Barnes is actually being a bit rejected by said communities now. But the problem with John Barnes is he's been such a big advocate for years that now he's been on the scene so for so long talking about racism... He's sort of been drowned out because he's the only voice. If there was a mixture, people wouldn't be getting bored of hearing his voice. So every time they're saying racist, it's always John Barnes. Yeah, they wheel him out. Anyway, I think that includes concludes most of the news. I'm, I'm going to try and say it with the same enthusiasm as last week. Yeah. Oh, no, the, the initial bit isn't it. That, this now is part of the show is where Dan gives us a stat. Dan, what's your stat? Probably just uh, deafened a few people there. Well... Bear with me as I quickly load it up. Ill-prepared, man. No, I am prepared. It's an internet issue. Oh. So, uh, Craig McTavish, have you heard of him? Can't say I have. He was the last player in NFL history to not wear a bit of headgear. 
And with the recent controversy about players using their helmets as weapons, there's now bringing up the idea of potentially taking head guards away again. Are they? They are, because apparently it's also more dangerous because players are charging in with their heads and they've got this protective gear on. Well, that's dangerous for both people because you could easily damage, do some damage to your neck. Yeah. And then obviously the helmet's not going to feel great if that's hitting against you at God knows how many miles an hour. Someone, I don't know what the average speed would be of a NFL player. They do fly into each other. It's like rugby, but with a head helmet on. If, you think, if you've got a helmet on, psychologically, you think you've got more protection than if you haven't. So yeah. more like to put that a little bit more power into it. But it was in 1997 was the last time. So we've had over 20 years now without with a with a player with a hel- without a helmet, which is quite impressive and it was for the St. Louis Blues, who I think are now the LA Rams, I want to say, because I think they moved from You're Saint asking Louis. the wrong person here. NFL is one of those sports that I'd like to get into and I'd put on my Uli app. You know on the Uli app they show you put cringy kind of things it's like I, they said put a niche spot on cause it, rather than just like in football obviously yeah. a bigger interest had come along since and I was like I'm a big advocate of NFL because at, at this time this is when it was all getting hyped up and there was that big British hype that's kind of building and slow I'm not going to say died out but it's certainly calmed down it's calmed down now that there's more of a progress not it's almost come accepted like, yeah it's sort of like that initial excitement for it being played in the UK sort of died out now and it's sort of just a continuous support for it yeah right Got I last... do apologise that that was wrong about the uh, LA Rams and St. Louis Blues. Do you know what? I'm sure there's not going to be too many Americans listed in. I mean, if you are, fair play to sorry. you. Sorry. Yeah, we are sorry, <laughs> but fair play to you for being here. <laughs> um, no, I'm not sorry for the stat here, I'm just sorry for American. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Right, moving on, <laughs> probably for the best. This yeah, is a feature uh, we didn't do, do it last, last week. week. Uh, definitely wasn't because I forgot to do it. Um, yeah, definitely wasn't because you forgot to do it. No. Absolutely no way is that the case. No, definitely. Well, I would never forget anything, even when it's written down here in front of me. But it's a niche sport of the week. Yeah, we should get a little uh, like jingle or something to play for when it's like your crazy sport. Yeah, I mean, I, we need a podcast jingle, but that's a we do. whole different story. I'm that's just... outside our pay grade. Because we're paid. Oh bloody hell! Um, just trying to get find out where this notes is from the last podcast. I'm just going to stop. Ah, here we go. Go on. It's got, Let's hear it. Going to take a step back to pause because it's got it's got a cool name that will put a bit of impact on you. Death diving. Death. What is in dead? Death diving. It's in death. Yeah. Not, Not as in death. I can't hear. Yeah. Although if you are de- dead, then you wouldn't hear be able to hear anyway. So you would be dead. That's very true. But <laughs> you'd also be brain dead. Heartless. Which is everything you are right now. <laughs> so, it's a 10 metre diving board. Not that high, right? Wrong. Yeah. No, 10 metres is quite high. I've been on one. They are scary. Yeah, but you can get... It's not massively high. But, the way you hit the water, typical diving... Straight uh, in like a pencil. Well, think of you and your idol, Tom Daly... You just kind of you whoa, hit the, whoa, whoa, you hit on, the water. On. You hit you just the water. Said my idol, Tom Daly. <laughs> you hit the water. Less that. and break into it, and um, so obviously you have to break into water. And this side, I lost my chain of thought. Then uh, in this, yeah, which is west. where it gets the name, death diving. You almost belly flop the water. Oh. The idea is that you've got a kind of you're up, you're in a horizontal X until just before you hit the water. So the closer that you do it to the water, the better. 
obviously a lot of people <laughs> do it so close oh, that they do God. it on the water. And when you're coming at the water from that speed, I'm sure a lot of you will know, it feels like concrete. Well, it, let's put it like this. When you jump into a, wa- into a pool uh, from literally just the Not edge of town. the pool... If you if you literally jump from the edge of the pool into the pool and you belly flop, that hurts. Well, yeah. Or well, even like if if the, you just put your hand out of the water and just smack it, you'd end up with like a red hand. Yeah. Um, you literally look like. Do you know those? Um, is it vanilla and rhubarb sweets? <laughs> one side. Uh, well, you start off one side being yellow, and then you turn to the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's in frog the baths. Um, which is definitely not right because I've my handwriting is abysmal and even I can't read it. Uh, it's happened since the sixties in Oslo. Yeah. Who for a load of use that just just hard and preferred tough stunts. Uh, in nineteen seventy two, it formed into a bit more professional, but it wasn't until nineteen ninety eight. Great year. Why was it a great year? I was born. Damn right it was. It was an That's annual then. an annual competition since, and three thousand people turn up each year. There's also there's a summer version, not too bad. Bearing in mind you're in Scandinavia, and a winter version, which must be horrendous. It's not, probably ice. Yeah. Well, oh. no, it's still it. It probably feel like ice, but there's a lot of injuries, a lot of broken bones, a lot of bruising, and probably very entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, if you like seeing people suffer. I'll tell you, that is one sport I will not be taking up at any point in my life. Oh. I'm, I'm sure you'd love I'll to. I'll sign you up. Do you mean you sign me up? <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere near that sort of sport. That's right, I'm you're not, going to... I'm going to go bog snorkelling You're instead. going to frog the buffs. Wow, you t- you're taking another niche sport that we're gonna, I was going to do in the future now. You, you bloody... Well, we can go into detail another time. Yeah. For now. Because that concludes it all for today's podcast. Today's podcast, kind of unique. Um, yeah. Follow Dan on Twitter. Dan underscore OC1. Because he's really active. Super active. Or you can follow my football Twitter account, but I won't we mention won't, it We here. don't need to know that. Uh, but more importantly, follow mine, at Greasy underscore Machen. And more importantly still, I hate to use the phrase again, get involved with the podcast Twitter, at Alternative Alternate Sport. And get involved, we want to know... Your sporting moments of the year and decade that we'll release in a podcast is your Christmas treat. What better could you want for Christmas than an alternative sport podcast moments of the decade with special guests? Plenty of them, I'm sure. Nothing. There's nothing in this world. Um, So that concludes it for today. Enjoy the rest of your week.